welcome to another episode of Dungeons and Diapers. I am one of the two hosts of the show, Croft and Steers, with me, as always, the other host, Ryan Murphy. Ryan, welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. I'm excited. I've been working and workshopping for two weeks. Some fun challenges for Crofton, and I think I've got some fun challenges. I don't know, but uh, yeah. See, I I feel like I, as I said last episode, and to catch <laughs> people up, we are last episode. I I completely surprised Ryan with like some rando challenges for this year, meaning he would have the entire calendar year to do said challenge. They're not meant to make it, to drive him crazy, but they're not meant to be super enjoyable either. It's like this weird balance, and so. Uh, so this week Ryan has brought challenges for me. I do not know what they will be, um, but he is probably workshop them much more than I did. So I'm, I'm, I am keen to, uh, to figure that out. But first let us, uh, talk about a couple of things. Ryan, I wanted to promo something. Ooh. So. I mentioned a couple of episodes back, I think maybe that I'm doing this live Dungeons and Dragons role play with um, like a, a live game with Bo. And so Bo has now put those online, both in video and in audio format. I think they're on Spotify and iTunes and all that as well. And it's called Order and Defiance is the name of the uh, is the name of the, the campaign. And uh, you can go to boschwartz.com as well. He's just done a website and all the links are there. But uh, we did our second one of those sessions. So we've now got two in. What's funny is that the first session, I was like, I don't know, should I do a voice for my character? And then I I just started doing one in the second session. So it's it's like, like <laughs> it'd be funny if every session I just do a completely different voice. I won't do that, but whatever. Um but yeah, we had a good second se- session as well. It's still like in the early days, but it's a good time. So if people are keen on hearing something like that, uh, we do it once a month. And, you know, I, I don't know if you can subscribe to the feed, but anyway, check it out. See if you like it. You can subscribe. Speaking firsthand as someone who clicked on the link and added it uh, to their podcatcher of choice, in my case, Overcast on iOS. Uh, I searched for order and defiance popped right up, right up. So there you go. Uh, very good start. Very good start. Perfect. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, so yeah, that's it. Now, um, today the topic is a uh, long time listeners know we do a topic, uh, related to, you know, being parents and stuff. And, uh, our topic this time is kids and money. Uh, specifically like, you know, we're going to talk allowances. We're going to talk about how, how, you know, what, what are our kids' relationship with money at the ages they are and kind of like maybe crowdsource from folks, how they handle money with their kids. How, like, do they, do they do everything uh, for them and, and not give them any money? Do they give them money to budget themselves and then not buy them anything? Like everybody has a different sort of approach. So we'll be talking a little bit about that. And of course the world famous dungeon section, uh, where we, we go over all of the, the crazy stuff we're playing, but first, hmm. um, Ryan, let us, let us go into the challenges. So, um, to recap, 
I provided Ryan with three challenges last episode with giving him uh, the power of veto. And he vetoed one of them, leaving two. Those two challenges were then put up in straw poll contention against each other. Shall I recap what they are before revealing the results? Yes. And but before you do that, I want everyone to know at home I I did a tweet for the twenty four hours left to vote. Uh at that point one was ahead of the other by one vote. Not a lot of votes, but a good chunk of votes. I, I really appreciate everybody going in there and, and getting their voice heard. But I don't know the winner. You know, I, I feel like I, it, I I have not looked at it. So we'll yeah. see what it is. It's gonna be a surprise. I wanted I wanted to keep that element of surprise. So Okay. All right, all right. So uh, the two again. So what the two challenges? One was that when I was growing up, I one of my favorite games was this computer role playing RPG called Betrayal at Crondor. It was released around 1993. Uh, even when it came out, it didn't have the greatest <laughs> graphics. It had pretty much people cosplaying and in outfits and still photos, lots of text or whatever. But whatever, I still loved it. I loved it so much. My friend Bo loved it so much that he he's named his main avatar after a character in that game. But it is, you know, it is it, it is dated. Uh, and so one of the challenges was for Ryan to play Betrayal of Carondor to completion in this calendar year. The other challenge was we all know that Ryan is a fan of Marvel TV shows and movies. Now this is, I don't think anybody would say, a banner year for Marvel TV shows and <laughs> movies. It, in fact, one could argue that Marvel is mostly sitting this year out in favor of Sony's Marvel Universe, uh, which has a lot of the B-level Spider-Man villains and characters, such as Craven the Hunter, Madam Web, and uh, Venom. So uh, the second challenge... <laughs> It would be for Ryan to watch every single Marvel TV show and movie this year related Marvel related TV show movie uh, and, uh, and and report back on the show. In both cases for Betrayal of Crondor and Marvel's TV show marathon, Ryan would be reporting back. So those are the two challenges. So without further ado, Ryan, are you ready? I guess I don't. Yes, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, so we're gonna have to have a discussion here. So oh, uh, I okay. think I know what one then. <laughs> okay, so the winner by one vote is uh, Ryan plays Betrayal at Crondor. Okay. Okay. So he, here's the thing. Here's <laughs> the thing. I just, I just, you know, in the interest of full disclosure, I voted in this poll. <gasps> uh, and uh, did you <laughs> did you wait? Did you push it over the edge? It was oh, one. Mm. I just I just provided one vote early on. I think I meant okay, the yeah, second, yeah, the second or third person who voted. Right, like I was I was early on. However, the <laughs> if you took my singular vote out of the equation, it would be a tie. It doesn't matter. You know why? Full disclosure, I voted for the Marvel content. So it, oh! It, <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. Okay, good. See, I was about... <laughs> so, <laughs> so I stopped a cheater. Okay. What? 
I'm not allowed. I guess it's worse that I'm voting in my own poll. Yeah. Oh, I set up the poll. I could have like made it so one vote counts for two twice as much. I don't know. You could have cheated much more. So in the end, my vote because I was feeling bad because I was like, well, it's like it's a tie, and really, what's deciding it is I. I decided it, and I feel like that's not not fair. But okay, no, that's perfectly fair. Yeah. yeah, So here's. Here's the, so I'm just going to leave it simple. Ryan, you're going to be playing Betrayal of Crondor. However, this is this is the other thing. I went on to a famous video game website, howlongtobeat.com, uh, with the idea that, you know, my, my memory said Betrayal of Crondor was a fairly lengthy game. But, you know, back in those days, I think games were much shorter in general and that now games are much longer. and the idea was like my rose colored glasses might be artificially extending the game's length. But no, when I searched and how long to beat, there aren't that many, like how long to beat aggregates people who played it. There aren't that many. So it's oh my not, God. Uh, it, it, it's much longer than I had originally thought when I put it down here. So I feel like, I feel like that I'm willing to compromise on this challenge uh, and make it not the entire game. But before I I admit to that compromise or or discuss that compromise, I want to know what my challenges are. Sure. So, uh, so because I'm not going to let you off some sort of – like if I'm getting host here – I want you to be equally host. So, I mean, but on the other hand, if I'm like, oh, no, okay, these are fine. I'm I'm getting out relatively easy or equally whatever. We can maybe drop it down to half the game or it's a nine-chapter game. I actually memorized the the chapters and I know exactly where the main beats are. So maybe maybe it's like Ryan plays chapters one through four um, and, 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 you know, can, can stop there or something like that. If he wants to, who knows, he might be, he might be hooked at that point. So, uh, so we're, we might tinker around the margins, but that, what we know is that Ryan's going to be playing Petra the Crondor. Ryan, I passed the mic on to you for the next phase of this year's challenges, uh, directed at me. True. Okay. So, uh, I want to preface these challenges with the fact that uh, this is going to be a bit of a buttering up moment, a bit of a compliment. But I truly believe that Crofted is capable of doing uh, any of these three things. And I fully believe that he would be able to excel at them. And I think it comes down to, um, for all three of these, just a matter of like, I know Crofted wants to do a couple of these. He's mentioned it a couple times. He's done some of these. Uh, I think it's my just spider. My spider sense is tingling so bad. <laughs> I know. Uh, um, okay, so the first one, the okay. first one is to guest on the core podcast. No, I'm just joking. Uh, that was a joke. <laughs> that was my first one that I wrote down when I was trying to come up with challenges, and I kind of was talking to a friend of mine who also podcasts, and he had he has no. Um, understanding of the the beef the fake beef or the real beef depending on when when you're listening and he's like so one of his challenges is to invite himself onto another person's podcast I'm like, <laughs> I'm like yeah i guess when you put it that way it's it's like in my mind you would have been able to do it and scott would have been on board but i felt like it probably <laughs> would have been uh, yeah it came down to like kind of awkward 
they've never had a co-host. They've never had a guest, three. no. Never had a guest. And so for them to have me as their first guest would be, you know, it's doable, but it would be more like in the form of you would be predicting it, not challenging me to do it because it's True. kind of out of my control. That said, you could also make the argument that having a three-minute oratory letter presented on the, on the episode means that I have already guessed it on their podcast. Exactly. So, yeah. So did, I made that, that argument. Yeah. Yeah. Both in both cases, I, I see the trouble with this one, but I see where your head's at. Please keep going. I anyways, I, I threw that one out because uh, for, for many reasons, the, the main one was like, you know what it uh, you're going to, you're going to poke core all year, no matter what. It's not really a challenge. It's more just encouraging you. And I already do that for free. So I figured we wouldn't, uh, we wouldn't um, belabor it, but okay. Real challenges. So challenge number one. And of course there's three challenges. There's still three challenges. That was a fake one at the top. Just a joke. Uh, You can veto one of these. Okay. First challenge. Switch to Mastodon as your main social media platform for 2024. Oh, and man. this, this is not a joke about uh-huh. like, ah, ha, ha, Mastodon. I use Mastodon. I think it's a great platform. Um, again, I think I've seen you complaining about Twitter X, whatever. Uh-huh. I feel like a, you could do this. You would excel at it and you would find like you would, you would find the fun. And, and the, there's a great official app. Uh, I don't know why I'm selling these challenges. You did this too. You sold the challenges a little bit, but I think this one would be cool. So to clarify this challenge, because I see these people that are like, see you folks, I'm going to blue sky, peace out. Or, hey, I'm I'm off. You can follow me on Mastodon, blah, 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 blah. And then they continue to post on Twitter. So like, like I mean, they're probably, what they're doing is that they're, they're posting on Mastodon or Blue Sky or whatever, but they're also posting on Twitter. They're using both of them. And yeah. so this challenge would be to like literally shut down my Twitter in favor of creating a Mastodon account. No, I, I feel like that would be unfair because what I'm basically saying is like, I want, I want, give it a shot. I mean, maybe the challenge needs to be re- reworded a bit, but like, I think you got to start a Mastodon account. You got to use it actively. Uh, give it a shot. Give it a fair shot. That's, that's an easy one. No offense. Sure. But like that's that, between like I, the only two I know are Blue Sky, Mastodon and Threads. I guess I know those sure. three. And like, uh, like I am very dissatisfied with Twitter X right now. And I'd be like more. Like, it's funny, though. Mastodon is the one that I felt like at a certain point people were talking about a lot and now are no longer seemingly talking about it or the people I know are not talking about it. So I do feel like I'm going to the least popular one, but maybe I'm wrong on that. But uh, I'm that one, I I mean, I feel would be an easy, easy lift. So, uh, yeah, I'm not going to use my power of veto on that one, I don't think. So keep keep them coming. Sure. Okay. So this next one, uh, you have mentioned to me, maybe not on the show, but uh, I think I know we've talked about it. But this and <laughs> oh, this would also requires like a, uh, well, I'll just say this challenge and I'll, I'll tell you the, the sort of my points. But uh, this one is launch your own podcast. I'm not trying to kick you off this podcast, <laughs> I'm not trying to create competition. I'm not saying, you know, launch, you know, Dungeons and Diapers, uh, 
another <laughs> and dungeons dungeons and diapers and dungeons just double the dungeons you know but anyways i know you you've talked about starting a podcast and and uh you know maybe using some of your um work experience to do something with that so anyways launch your own podcast again not me saying get the hell out of here uh just i i <laughs> I it feel like feels like it does feel a little does. bit though, like like a parent being like <laughs> get out of my house, being like, look, I'm not saying that you need to, you need you need to move out of the house, but I am challenging you this year to find your own apartment. And you're like, but but just to be clear, I'm not kicking you out of the house, but you got to find somewhere to live. <laughs> but, and, but, but but yeah, here's the thing. I again, I know you're capable of it. I know mm-hmm. you're gonna you're gonna survive on your own. No, <laughs> I know you're gonna be survive. You're gonna now have to do your thinking. own laundry. <laughs> you're gonna have to do your own grocery shopping. Don't worry, we'll visit every weekend. Um, you, I can be a guest if you want. <laughs> I can be a guest on the diapers. We all know that I what what did you say? The last count was I host like sixteen podcasts. Like, yeah, I, I think you can handle uh, a third one. You know, so. Yeah, no, so this is a question. It's funny because just off the top of the show, I announced that I'm in essentially a second podcast. I know. So, so like, I don't – now, I, I'm not saying that that – because, like, the, the challenge is to me, Bo is launching that podcast and I'm a guest on it. Like, I'm a, I'm a person on it, right? But it's not – you know, like, I'm – the challenge for me on that is not the podcasting part. It's the tech part. Like, I don't sure. know how to do anything, right? I don't know how to do an RSS feed or whatever they're called. I don't know how, I don't know how to like. Just two S's, by the way. RSS. Yes, I, yeah. I, I, so because like, I, you know, I could get Gwen to be my co-host, right? Like she's already got some chops or and there's a, there's, there's stuff that I could potentially do and that is appealing, but I, what, what is not appealing is all the the sort of back end stuff that I've always been sort of putting off trying to figure out how to do. Every once in a while, I'll say to Bo, "Hey, how do I do a podcast?" And he'll be like, "You've done like hundreds of podcast episodes." I'm like, "Yeah, but I don't know. I just show up and record, and then you and Ryan sort of figured out." And so, so this does. There is an actual challenge in here for me. So uh, I find that, uh, where like the, you know, no offense to the Mastodon one. I like. I guess it's probably co- more complicated to set up a Mastodon account than a Twitter account because it's some sort of server thing. But it's not going to take. Like I could go on there, set a reminder on my phone to send three <laughs> Mastodon messages a month, and I'm, you know, Bob's my uncle, right? So not much of a challenge compared to this one would be more of a challenge, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh these are I like I mean these are good for me. Like none none of them has been like play a Sega Genesis game to completion. So uh so so, so knock me with your last one. Don't say it's played Sega Genesis game to completion. I mean it could be. It could be. Uh the third challenge is to <laughs> I feel like I have a bit of a trend here. Uh stream video games on Twitch. Set up oh, your own God. Twitch, stream video games, and now that we're at this, now that we're at the point of uh, having all three challenges out there, um, I like I kind of I kind of realized quickly that mine were like, you know, 
you could you could cheese it in a way of like setting it up and doing uh-huh. events and being like, hey, I launched a podcast. Hey, I streamed a video game on Twitch. I only did it for yeah, an yeah. hour though. And now that you've got my challenge set in stone, which is portrayal at Crondor, um, yeah. I think we can easily set these up with points in mind. Like, you know, um, yeah, we, Crondor we, is a is a finite game, but you could assign points to completing chapters and. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like uh, in in fact, it had it been a tie, my idea was actually to assign points. Be like, be like, okay, like Madam Web is worth X amount of points. A chapter of Beachella Crondor is worth X amount. Of, you know, like, and you've got to. That was what I was. You know, that's what I was thinking. So, I mean, I I I think that we can we can. Uh, we can work again, color the margins, work out the details of this in the sense that like what I like about these challenges of yours are there, there are things that actually would benefit me in some way (laughs) or another. All three of these. I'm like, like, you know, I could, it could be healthy for me to get off Twitter and to get somewhere that is like detail. Like, it's like, it's like your challenge Crofton is to quit crack. I'm like, I'm like, Oh yeah, I guess that's hard to do, but worth doing. Um, and so, (laughs) so it's, and it's the same, like with the starting a podcast, that's something that I've thought of like being like trying to figure it out and, and figure that element out of it myself and, and try to do that sort of stuff. And then the, the, um, what is it? The, um, uh, the third one streaming on Twitch, Bo is trying to convince me to do this before. Uh-huh. Um, and, and I've always been like, uh, no. Um, but the reality is that it's not as foreign to me as it used to be. And, sure. uh, and I've, you know, I've watched other people do it and I have a kind of like kind of a sense of like, you know, what, what I could do. And it, like, it could be even in support of the charity campaign, um, and and figuring out ways to to tie into to that and then i so 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 uh i i you know like yeah these are these are these are good so here comes the the thing is that like putting up a straw poll because i don't decide um putting up a straw poll i am trying to decide which one i'm gonna veto right now i feel like you're gonna veto one of the fun ones because i i like uh, I feel like I could. It's your choice. It's your choice. I feel like I could control this by 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 vetoing because for the fun ones, are you saying podcast and Twitch? Those are the fun ones. Yeah, like I'm saying. Look, I'm just saying this. Uh, look, I, I use Mastodon. I like Mastodon. It's a fun uh, social account. I I mainly follow Apple folks and people who developers who left Twitter, like the developers behind Tweetbot. They left Twitter and and started Mastodon and created their own. Um, uh, sort of third-party client, and that's sort of what I follow on Mastodon. But I feel like if Mastodon makes it to the straw poll, I don't think anyone's going to choose it. No, <laughs> that's what wrong, I'm. Though. That's what I'm saying about choosing it. So I could, I could say, like, you know, I veto either the podcast or Twitch, and then it's Mastodon versus one of the others, and the the other one is for sure going to win or likely going to win, right? True. Because so so I can control my own destiny here. So in the interest of fairness, I am going to veto Mastodon, uh, and uh, and put the Twitch and podcast up against each other. So you hear uh, that? Crofton is not quitting crack this year. <laughs> 
I'm gonna go fully on on the X crack until and hate myself in the morning every day, being like, "What am I doing? Why can't I get off this garbage?" Just don't platform? do it while you're podcasting or streaming on Twitch because it's against terms of service. You'll be fine. You'll yeah, be fine. I just I just feel like how am I gonna promote my stream without X? Uh, X gonna give it to you. <laughs> X. Um, when you say Twitter, it sounds less like a drug. You say X, it does. Yeah, it's it a drug. I gotta, get, I gotta hit, have my X, my hit at X. Um, but, uh, but okay, no, those, those were good. And I will be honest, <laughs> Ryan, I appreciate them. I'm also relieved. I thought I was pretty convinced that my three were going to be a uh, play a Sega Genesis game to completion, <laughs> watch some sort of anime uh, that you were going to have for me, and it was going to be some sort of crazy waifu anime, or or oh, uh, yeah, or or uh, play one of those Trails games to completion or something. And I was like, oh. I'm like, uh, so all all of those things. I was like, oh man, I'm an easy target because of my big mouth. But but I feel like in the end that I may benefit because both the tw- the Twitch thing and the podcast thing will give me some skills that I didn't have before, where you will come out of the trailer Crowder with no skills, Ryan. No, that's You will come fine. out. However, it will help inform a, a, a vacancy in your, uh, you know, gamer podcasting brain. Like you'll be able to speak to a historical game and when you're talking about Baldur's Gate you can liken you know this type of combat was actually originally from Baldur's Gate uh, Betrayal of Crondor 3 uh, Betrayal of Crondor before it was in Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 and like you'll be able to to be a, a poser or a artsy fartsy gamer type so I am helping you in that way True. Well, I do. It's so funny you mentioned like what you thought they were going to be. I do have my rough notes. So I joked about the guest encore, which was a very real challenge right up until like uh-huh. yesterday night when I, I converted it to a joke. But I had uh, I just had anime listed. <laughs> I'm not yeah. joking. That was on the I list. Did, I told my wife that I was like, it's going to be some anime bullshit. I'm like, anyway, if I keep going. <laughs> Another one was read a book. <laughs> You're like, you have a year to read a book and it can't be a kid's book. I'm like, oh, you know, uh, anyway. Okay. Yeah. And the next one was um, watch all the Walking Dead stuff from 2024. Oh, oh, man. That's that. <laughs> that is truly what I believe the nature of the challenge somewhat is, which was uh-huh. is really like the, that line between, you know, really annoying, but not like. Not too annoying. Anyway, I. Uh, what is the Walking Dead stuff for 2024? So you've got, uh, and this is the reason I didn't do it, because it's all second seasons for new spinoff shows. So you've got Daryl Dixon season two, and then uh, Dead City, what? which is Negan and Maggie season two. Um, what about the Rick and uh, the, the Rick show? Yeah, the, Rick and Michonne, show? the ones who live, that launches in February. So that would have been the three. So there would have been three of them. Man, um, that's a lot. Yeah, six episodes each though, so like only eighteen yeah. episodes total, yeah. so not too bad. But I, I decided against it because there were a lot of second seasons, and um, the last one I had was one that we uh, spun up uh, last night. It was on a, it was on a podcast. I was on the Citadel Cafe. The episode won't won't be out for a little bit, but we were kind of talking about the challenges, and uh, we came up with one for Star Wars twenty twenty four content. But the trick was that it was 
TV, there's no movies, TV, right. and at least one book. So that was going to uh, be the challenge. And there's a kid's show as well that's getting a second season, like a Paw Patrol style Star Wars I, show you would have had to watch. I think I know the Jedi, uh, like it's a Jedi school or something. Yes, Jedi um, Tales or whatever. So there would be that. And what what what's coming? Because there's no season of The Mandalorian. No, it's there's The Acolyte no- and maybe Andor. But I figure you would have oh, liked I that mean, too much. You're, oh, you're too yeah, into that, Star Wars. Yeah, and Andor season two, I'll be there for sure. And like this, the Acolyte is one that has the potential of being good. You know, like yes, like yeah. so. Because uh, if it was Asuka, Ahsoka, or whatever season two or something, I would be like, it's the same deal with Walking Dead. I haven't seen the first season yet. You know, so so those were the the rough notes. But I think we've got. Um, did you come up with these all yourself or did you crowdsource? I uh, I came up with these all by myself. Although, like I said, um, I kind of, uh, you know, tested them um, on a on a show last night as I was kind of discussing it because cool. I was I, I did want to like I was trying to think of things like in the spirit of yours were fun. And I agree with you, like kind of tied to sort of content creation, sort of art discussions and i thought the journey of all three of these um you know mastodon podcasting streaming <laughs> twitch have, you're yeah. like they could have watches is what you're saying uh, you're like you're yeah. like tw- you're like uh, tw- uh twitch watch 2023 yeah, or 2024 2024. Uh, uh, sign yeah. those checks uh yeah you know podcast watch although i i feel like you're right though the launch your own podcast is very much the reason i use launch is because and your own is because it's very technical it's not me saying you need to move out dungeons and diapers is not going anywhere unless crafting gets super popular and he's too busy to come back but i highly doubt that's gonna happen that that would be the the I'm like, I launched my own podcast. It's a huge sensation. I'm the new Joe Rogan or whatever. And I'm like, Ryan, I'm sorry. I don't know if you want to aspire to be Joe Rogan, but go ahead. I'm just in terms of popularity. And then then I'd be like, Ryan, I'm really sorry. I'm just too big now. It's just the challenge (laughs) blew up. You know, like it just, it just. You know, Can you anyway. mention Dungeons and Diapers? You know? <laughs> no, I'm sorry, buddy. Oh. I, I can't. I can't. Um, but can I send I'm a voicemail big. into your much more popular show yeah. and you can tear me apart for 20 minutes, maybe? <laughs> yeah, and then Chorus, like, do you want to be on our show now? I'm like, no, <laughs> you missed your chance, you bastards. Uh, but uh, all right. Okay, so that's great. That's the next day. So we're, we'll wrap this up next episode with, with the, so the two that uh, the straw poll is going to go out for uh, on discord and on, on Twitter is to determine is Crofton in, in 2024 going to stream on Twitch, like yeah. create an account, do it at least semi regularly on Twitch or is Crofton going to start his own podcast it's funny like i'm not i'm not trying to screw the system or anything but i'm already doing both those things with the new order and defiant show (laughs) it's being streamed live on twitch and uh it's a podcast but i understand you're not doing it you're just showing up i'm just showing up so that's the that's the nuance i do trust you i do trust you and Um, i do want to put this out here i know it's a challenge and i'm probably too nice for saying this but i'm more than happy to help with with whatever 
tech stuff you need because I'm not oh, going to no, be like yeah. Google it, Crofton. It's a challenge. It's you know? a challenge. No, no, no. And it no, but like that's it's obviously like I I you know it's the same with like you're playing a game. You're gonna add that. There's probably you can use walkthroughs or whatever. You can do all like I'm not expecting you to figure everything else out. Like the way I played that game was that I it was. It was like before the internet, Ryan. So I played it uh, and we would come to school and we would exchange notes. We'd be like, hey, I'm stuck here. What did you do? And we would be going back and forth and trying to figure it out. And, and we would give each other tips and such to get past things as we sort of figured stuff out. So, I mean, you have the, the like, I'm sure there's game facts and different things, but like, you know, I'm also, and as you start, if, as you start playing it and are like talking about it and stuff, like I almost guarantee you that I will dip back in and like, they'll be, we'll be like, okay, so I'm at this part or I'm at that part. And so one thing, one tip I'll give you right now that I, I remember is that, uh, so this was around the time this, this role-playing game was around the time that on, on Nintendo and super Nintendo and stuff, they had, they only had really JRPGs and those games worked on random encounters. So you wouldn't see the bad guys. They, they would just, you would just take a few steps and there would be a battle in Bichella Crondor. When you're exploring the, uh, <laughs> 3d world, um, there's a, there, you will see, the bad guys and uh sometimes they like they they put them in like little spots where uh you know you'll turn around the corner and shit oh there's bad guys here whatever but if you click on them with the mouse before you walk up to them you will surprise them in combat and nobody tells you this so just a note when you're playing that game when you see bad guys on the map if you're planning on not trying to get away but like go through them to fight them be sure you click on them when you get close enough to be like, and your party will be like, let's surprise them or something like that. Uh, cause, uh, cause I would just walk in and the enemies would always have the first turn and I would always be frustrated. I'm like, why do they always get to go first? But, uh, but it was because um, the only way for you to go first is if you like initiate the combat. So, uh, so there, I give you a, a helpful tip already. There's Perfect. more to come. Well, just got to uh, go buy it and get started there. You, and... I feel like I got it. I, I could be wrong, but I feel like I might have even got it for free on good old games. I do think that it was Abandonware uh, at one point. I'm not sure if there's... Oh, oh there's a the, sale. Let's see where it's at now. Okay. Uh, GOG.com, Betrayal. It's, prob it's probably Crondor and Betrayal at Antara uh, in a package would be my guess. It is. It's Now, now it's... It's uh thirty five percent off. It's it's five bucks. Five bucks. That's pretty well, good for both of them. I don't have to play both, but well, I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. I was so excited when they announced Betrayal and and Tara, but it was my first experience with a um, with a, a, a video game losing a license. So uh, they lost the Crondor license. And they decide, but Crondor was so well received, the company that made it decided, hey, let's use the same kind of engine, but create our own fantasy world. And right. they did that to make uh, Bichella Dantara. And, it, you know, it was, there was some stuff that was nice. Like I would argue the art style is, is nicer, although not as kitsch. But it just does not hold up. One thing about Crondor is it's anchored on these books 
uh, written by this fantasy author, Raymond E. Feist. And the books are good, and he's a good writer, and he was enlisted to help do this game. And there are pages of writing in this game, and it's and, and that holds up well, right? Like, so, I mean, the other game doesn't have that. So it's just – and video game writing has gone come a long way since then. So, so – Intara was not great. Are you so, looking at screenshots? I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, I am. So, so oh. the, the it is a pack. It's betrayal, betrayal at Crondor and betrayal in Antara, which comes together. Uh-huh. You can't buy it separately. Uh, I think they, they what, return I think to Crondor, whatever that is. Return to Crondor was a, a sequel. I which took um, sequel. It's set in the same world. Uh, like these are all those. It's set in the same world of Beachella Crondor, but it uses a different game engine and is a get different story than Beachella Crondor. It's not like a party RPG in the, that same way, or it is, but in a in a more in a different way. And I I haven't honestly played it, uh, but it it's it's considered. It was not as well received. Like it was considered an okay game where people. Will Will still refer to Beachella Crondor as a classic. And you know what? Like, I keep telling you it doesn't hold up. And it's possible, you know, I think it's likely that I'm right. I think you have to look past a lot. But I'm all, I also wouldn't be surprised if it did hold up much better than I think. So, um, so I, I, I'd be, uh, I'd be curious, especially now that you've played Baldur's Gate 3 and stuff. I feel like, you could you could move into this, but anyway, we will see. I will love, love, enjoy following that journey. Enough about the challenges. Let's move into the dungeons section for this episode. Ryan, what do you got for me? What have you been up to? Well, um, you know, it's been a bit of a I've been a bit all over the place. You know, not watching a lot of TV, not watching a lot of movies. Um, I've I'm I've started a new book, but I'm not quite that far into it yet i haven't finished it um but something that's been kind of keeping me busy and uh really really happy so let's rewind year two year two years ago actually when the steam deck came out and i i managed to get my hands on it um maybe it was only a year ago but i i had the steam deck i i had this vision of like easy to play pc gaming no no fussing around with drivers and updates and, you know, mouse is not connecting and, you know, old man type complaints or, you know, just hit the button and go. And the Steam Deck really does that very well. It checks that box. And I have a dock for it. It's not an official dock, but it works. It's It supports third-party docks. And we've talked about all of this before on the show, and I know you have it as well. But something that I think both of us have been missing and both of us have talked about before is the controller experience when it's in docked mode it's not perfect especially if you are syncing a bluetooth xbox controller and trying to use its built-in dual connection function where it can at the press of a couple buttons connect to your xbox or connect to uh bluetooth to your steam deck yeah, to the point I gr- I gave up on it and I just used it as my Xbox controller because it was just it was too much of a headache. Yeah, and sometimes you forget what did I play last. I'm pretty sure I played the Steam Deck. Then you hit the button to turn on the Xbox controller. What turns on your Xbox? Um, so I I know this is all like the, everything we talked about so far is like really we're, we're we're I can sense we're heading down this path of Ryan spending a bunch of money to solve a problem that's really not a big deal. But lately, as I've been using the Xbox controller, the Bluetooth would start disconnecting mid-gameplay. Um, 
and I and I was looking into some issues, and some people suggested it was firmware of the controller, but most people just said, yeah, the Steam Deck Bluetooth, a lot of interference, doesn't work very well. So I've been eyeing this controller from 8BitDo, which is a third-party controller manufacturer, and I've used their products before, and they're really great. Um, but what's really great about this one is the 8BitDo Ultimate 2.4 gigahertz controller. I know it's a mouthful, but stick with me. It's got the Xbox button layout. It comes with a dock. So the controller has a dock. So you take that dock, you plug it into your Steam Deck dock, and then you set the controller in the dock. And the cool thing is what it does is because it uses um, a 2.4 gigahertz um, adapter, which is hidden inside the dock, plugged into the dock is basically like a USB extender. Um, when you when you turn on your Steam Deck, get it all on the screen, all you have to do is pick up the controller from the controller dock. Seconds later, it connects to the Steam Deck, and you're good. You're off to the races. You're playing huh. your Steam Deck. It is amazing. <laughs> it is such a great way to play your Steam Deck. Um and uh, it, it's flawless. I've, I, when I'm playing, I've never ha- lost connection. Um, it, it has a 15-hour battery life. But, like, honestly, when you put it into the dock, it automatically turns off the controller and starts charging it. And will charge it until it's at 100%. So, really, this thing is never going to be dead unless you, like, leave it off the, the dock and don't charge it. And suddenly you realize, oh, it's it's got no battery. But... If you're like me and constantly putting things back in their place because you don't want to want them to get lost or damaged, uh, it it's always ready to go. So, Crofton, may I suggest you invest yeah. in one of these? They're amazing. So, I before I do because I it does really sound good, and I've noticed Ryan. I pretty much don't use. I'm using my Steam Deck majoritarily in portable mode. Like I've stopped connecting it to the TV mostly. Um, and uh, just because, like, if I'm at the TV, I'll, I'll play on the PS5. If I'm at my computer, I'll use my computer. And the Steam Deck is sort of, like, being, being portable. But it has, like, because I've been playing Baldur's Gate majoritarily and because I want to play mouse and keyboard, I've been playing at the computer. But I'm getting sick of playing at the computer. Um, and I'll talk about that in a bit when I talk about Baldur's Gate. But, um, but yeah, this does sound like it would solve it. I do have one question, though. I did so I got a second PS5 controller for my birthday from my mom, which was really nice of her. The cats have already taken a bite out of it. Wait, I thought you got Alan Wake too. Oh yeah, my mom was super generous. So anyway, uh, she gave me this PS5 controller, and uh, um, and Alan Wake, as long as well as many other games on PS5, are mostly one-player games. Like, there's very few multiplayer games that uh i would be playing on on ps5 i'm playing one of them now which is uh sackboy a a big adventure which i'll talk about in a sec but after sackboy is done you know i don't see much of a world where i'm regularly using two ps5 controllers is i guess what i'm saying um could i just pair one of those ps5 controllers permanently to the steam deck does does it work in the, the same way as the Xbox? Like, could I do that? And would it be as easy as you're saying with your one, where you can just pick it up and all that, that it would automatically be be paired? Or is your controller and, and the way that it works 
always going to be better and easier because I, I could be convinced to get that. Um, but right now, I just feel like I'm going to have a, a, a PS5 controller serving as a paperweight for most of the year now, you know? <laughs> I feel you. Um, I also have, like, a second PlayStation controller. And before I sort of pitched the idea of buying another controller to Ashley, uh, I tried the PlayStation controller. And I had an even worse time uh, than I did with the Xbox controller. Um, but that's that's the answer. That's what I yeah. needed to know. I like. I'm glad you didn't skate around it and stuff. You're just like, no, it's not. It'll work, but not not great. You know, and that because yeah. it it means like like yeah, it does it does make me more incentivized to get that and and to look into it more because the way you're explaining it sounds so great that like you just yeah. pick it up and then it's like oh it works and it, we're off to the races because you're right both with that with the controllers and with earphones like i have these bluetooth headphones with the steam deck i find it i'm not sure if you've noticed this but like like you put the headphones in and and you'll be it'll be fine you'll pair them you have to pretty much like because i'm using the same bluetooth headphones for my phone as i am for the steam deck i have to turn off bluetooth on my phone so it doesn't like pair to my phone and then and then i have to pretty much go and set it up in the steam deck like go into audio options and pair and like okay now it's working and then one of the girls will come in because i'm often playing during while they're doing bedtime and i'll put the steam deck into sleep mode or something by tapping the power button and when i turn it back on the sound is messed up it's not like back with the headphones guaranteed sometimes there's this weird thing where like all the sounds with regards to menu navigation for steam are coming out of the headphones but the game is coming out of the speaker it's like weird stuff like that. Um, and so so I do find that that's one thing. It's true. The deck is not like you're not dealing with drivers and all that stuff. But you are dealing like it, it always feels like it's like you got to go back into the settings to pair your controller. You got to go back in the settings to pair your audio. You know, like it just feels like it's always coming disconnected, at least for me. Yeah, I, I think that uh, the other issue with the PlayStation controller is also that a lot of Steam games use the Xbox uh, button configuration, both in graphics and um, and in the menus. Now, that is getting better. Uh, I was playing Darkest Dungeon 2 and I was testing out the PlayStation controller and it, and it did display PlayStation buttons. So Steam games are getting better at that. I just, I wanted something dedicated um, to to the steam deck but also the fact that i i do have my pc i've moved it into the living room i have it plugged into because i'm not a big keyboard and mouse player i spend a lot of time in my office either podcasting or working because i work from home so i have the pc in the living room and i will play with a controller there so what i do is when i'm not using the steam deck i unplug the dock and my dock for the steam deck is literally on top of the computer so i just take that cord unplug it from the steam deck dock plug it into the PC, turn the PC on, run my driver updates, my Windows updates, update Baldur's Gate 3, launch Steam. Oh, wait, there's a Steam update. And then eventually, once Baldur's Gate 3 launched, I know I'm being being a little hyperbole here, but uh, I don't know if that's the right word. <laughs> Content. Um, and I load it up, and I I, I, I have a controller. I, I It works great. Um, so, yeah, I would highly recommend this if you if you have, like, if you have the Steam Deck and you're swapping controllers back and forth, 
the Bluetooth, while it works for the Steam Deck, can be very wonky when it comes to uh, uh, to interference and just the controller disconnecting uh, from time to time. I will say I've tested it with a with a bunch of games. Um, I've had one game not work with this new controller, and the issue came down to I was unable to uh, navigate an in-game menu. The, the cursor kind of got stuck on the first icon. Um, I have filed a report with with the with the developer. What's the game? It's, it, it's uh, called Little Guardian. It's a new game, so okay. it's like it's new. I, I I sent them a note like, "Hey, this is my very specific setup. If you switch to the Xbox controller, it works." So I think it's just the way Steam recognizes the Eight Bit Do controller, or maybe the way it processes the inputs. But I've had no issues with other games. I've been playing Dead Cells again because I got the DLC for Christmas. Uh, works great. Played a lot of Darkest Dungeon 2. Um, uh, uh, Cookie Cutter. Played that a lot as well, which is like a Metroidvania. Uh, it works great. So I, I highly recommend this controller. You can get it on sale on Amazon. I got it for like 10 bucks off. It was uh, about $70 after tax, but... Yeah, it comes with the dock, the receiver, the controller, um, and a couple of uh, thumb grips. Sorry, can you repeat that? Can you repeat that price? I missed it. So it's about seventy bucks after taxes. Seventy bucks. Okay. Yeah. I. I mean, like that's where controllers are are now. Uh, so yeah, that's a that's good good tip. Anything like I think like to parents out there that are trying to fit games in like Steam Deck. That's why these things are are so appreciated and like like i think the switch spoiled us for this this just you put down these portable things and they immediately shoot your tv and then they immediately work with your like sweet controllers and i i don't think like i think the steam has those bits and they can it can do it can do those things it's just it hasn't been it hasn't had that fluidity that makes you want to do it all the time. And so, yeah, no, I, I'm glad to hear that this is potentially a solution. Um, so I've been playing, I, I, I've been playing Baldur's Gate three um, to the point that like, I really want to finish it because I have these, you know, games from Christmas, my birthday, there's other games I'd like to get to, but I recognize that if I step away from Baldur's Gate three at this point, you know, I'm probably not going to finish the game. And so I, I really do want to finish it. So I've been, you know, making that, making the effort. I, I really enjoy it every time I play it, but uh, it's starting to feel like, you know, that I have to push myself to, to start it up at the beginning of sessions. Uh, and uh, I think it's because I'm, you know, I'm playing it a lot and I'm trying to get to the end. I'm deep into act three now. And, uh, Ryan, like not to to get all spoilery because I know I know you're also in Act Three, which is uh, where you get to the city. But I have to say, like, um, I thought that I was prepared for uh, the city, like for this uh, having played two acts of Baldur's Gate Three and all the choice therein. But holy moly, like there is a lot in there's a lot in act three. There's a lot to do. It's almost like, I don't know. I don't want to say that the first two acts were just appetizers for this or whatever, but it feels like 
it feels big and I and I keep I keep running into new things and new stories and new challenges. Also, there's been some major plot revelations. Baldur's Gate 3 works in a weird way where it doesn't tell you necessarily very clearly at the beginning who's the bad guy, who what are you trying to do aside from survival? Like there's not it really uh incentivizes exploration and adventuring. Um but really, uh, in Act Two, things start coming together as to like, okay, you know, what are the threats, and, and that really becomes clear in Act Three, who the major players are on the board and all the decisions that you can make, and it is very compelling. But it's also giving me a little bit of choice paralysis and stress with regards to what I'm going to do. Now, I'm playing a good playthrough at, with a monk character that is well centered and all of this, and if I concentrate on my role playing then I can even get away. Some decisions tempt you and it will, will, you can get greater powers by doing this thing, but it might be morally compromising and all of this. Um, but like, I just think like, what would my monk do? And I play to my monk character. Whereas I'm also playing in a multiplayer game and I play a different character there. I'm going to play those situations differently, but I, you know, I just will close out my update on Baldur's Gate three by saying it remains an insane game like it is so good and it's so full of things and so full of choice like it's just like i don't even know like what's exciting to me is i know that not there's not going to be like it's not a diamond dozen Baldur's Gate three uh but it's not like every game in the future will be like this but there will be others i'm sure maybe not a ton but there will be others even if they're only made by larian studios uh but like I, i'm sure there will be other games like this, and it's exciting to think, you know, of what those would be, and that there could be other, other, other games like this. But anyway, still, still really, really fun. But I am like, I am now at the at that point in the game where it's just like, oh, I'm like, I'd like to see it through, but yet there's so much good stuff, and I'm I'm doing the good stuff. I don't want to leave anything out, you know. So, um, so that's 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 my challenge, uh, challenge with with that. Are you are you gonna finish it? Oh, uh, I I really want to, and every time I step into the living room, I I see my PC hooked up to the TV, and I was like, man, I spent weeks teaching myself how to play that thing on a controller, and got really good and really comfortable with it. And uh, you're right, you drop that game, it's very hard to come back to. I I am, I will admit, I am in a bit of a lull where. I have an opportunity to go back to Baldur's Gate 3 or move on to some of my Christmas uh Christmas gifts. I feel like it might it might be something that that I want to do. I want to finish it cuz you're right. I think if I if I get back into it again, I will need to finish it because if I don't I won't, you know. Yeah, that's where I'm at. If I don't, I dropped like I was playing this game Ryan during my summer vacation in August. And and I'm playing it now. It's the same campaign. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I took, I took some time off, off and I dropped it. Like I was playing Spider-Man too. I was playing these other games and I, I mean, I've come back to it. Right. And so it, it is, it is like, I just feel like if I don't like, I can't do that again, take time off and then come back to uh, that campaign. I feel like I will be, you know, done at that point, but you do raise an interesting point, And this is what I was trying to say about my kind of, bugbear not to be confused with bugbear um the, earlier was that so when i was on vacation in august i was like playing it in portable mode on the steam deck uh you know and even 
like I would try to find they they've done as best as they can to set up you know the radio menus and all of this sort of stuff and I know that there's console versions and I know you're playing kind of like the equivalent of that with that with connecting into the TV I can I after a while I just was like it's just too it's so much better with mouse and keyboard I just can't I can't do this anymore I'm just going to do it on mouse and keyboard ever since I made that decision it's been great like for playing but now I'm in this thing where it's my main game and every night I'm on the computer and I'm starting to get sick of being at the computer every night like I want to be on the couch and I want to play so so that's the that's the thing I I I'm like I want that I I don't mind playing computer games or and being at the computer but i find like especially for multiplayer games like when i was playing valheim with the guys i like that but like it's tough like i'd like i really like to be on the couch and that's why i was sort of very excited when you were explaining the controller situation because i was like you know there's nothing to stop me from blowing up Baldur's Gate on my tv and 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 you know connecting a controller i've actually never really done that like i i've played it in portable mode I've played it on my computer when I'm at home, but I've never really done that one on the TV. So maybe I should, maybe I should, if that's going to make it more comfortable to get to the end, maybe that's what I should do. Yeah. Um, I'll, so a funny story. Like I, when I was living, I just moved out. It was my second apartment after university. And I had sort of a open concept living room with sort of my office set up to the, in behind like the couch in the living room, kind of how I think you have your basement set up. Like you have your, you could see your TV, right? Like you have your main TV and you have your little desk with your computer. If I recall correctly. And there used to be like a mattress propped up against, <laughs> against the wall or something. I'm trying to remember. It's been years since I've been to your house. Yeah, right. The mattress isn't there, but everything else is more or less like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the basement right now. It's like, I got a desk in the corner. Like uh-huh. with my my PC and I have one of those sort of slightly curved monitors. It's great for playing Baldur's Gate. Very you know big. Got my VR set up here, and then over like I have a sectional that kind of divides the room, and yeah. then there's a, a TV over there. Right. So what I did many moons ago is I went to Amazon and I bought uh, an extra long HDMI cable, and basically ran it from the TV around the living room to my office to to basically where the computer was and you could you can go a step further and buy like switches or uh, hdmi extenders or um, yeah uh, to make it a little easier but really just unplug your monitor plug in that extra long hdmi cable you have a wireless controller man just boot it up on the on the tv that's what i did that's what i used to do now I, now i got lazy and I yeah, just, yeah my office yeah. is not too far but you know you're right. I'm sure there's ways to. Anyway, thank you for troubleshooting this with me. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure there's ways to 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 do. You it could better. move your PC or extra no. long HDMI cable. So before moving into the other thing, I wanted to mention. I just wanted to tap your brain real quickly about two games I have not played, but I'm wondering uh, your sort of feelings as the host of the gamers in on um so one is pal world which is like uh the uh, for lack of a better term pokemon with guns uh you know it's sold like eight million copies and like not in very little amount of time it's the hottest thing on steam since when PUBG was released probably um in terms of being a sort of sensation have you played that game or been tempted to check it out i have played it 
Uh, I played it on Game Pass before my subscription lapsed uh, yesterday. Um, so, look, I, I did talk about this on the Gamers Inn, and I think to boil it down, and I, ha- and I had a small conversation with, uh, with a friend today about it, folks who haven't played it but are sort of connected to video games in some way. Like if they're visiting IGN, they have a discord that they chat in, they read Twitter and they follow some video game folks. The focus really has been on, uh, you know, the pals look like Pokemon. There are some Pokemon aspects to pal world and whether a Pokemon company is going to sue, uh, the developers behind pal world. And if you actually play the game, yes, the monsters do have some similarities to Pokemon, but also, you know, the the sheep Pokemon and the sheep pal look like sheep. So there's also a lot of that where it's like, well, how do you make a sheep look different from the Pokemon sheep, you know? So, um, so anyways, having played it, I'm not a, I don't like crafting games. I don't like survival games. They're, they were never my cup of tea. Okay. Uh, but having played this one right off the bat, it starts very much like a crafting game where you like, but, but it's also like breath of the wild. Like you walk out of this cave and you get the little chime and then you see like the, the region pop up above your head and. Oh God. Drives me nuts. That Bo has played this game, but has not played Breath of the Wild. You know, like, <laughs> drives me nuts. Anyway, he likes what he likes. Uh, yeah. But 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 uh, one thing I, I will say is what attracts me is I'm in a different track than you. I could not give a flying hoot about Pokemon, but I I do love Valheim and I love those types of games where it's like there is like I this maybe it's the survival adventure element and all of this, and uh, I've heard that. That it has kind of a lot in common with those types of games and i mean that does make me kind of interested a little bit in checking it out but i'm put off by the whole pokemon stuff yeah it, so okay so specific to that then skipping to the pokemon stuff um the pokemon stuff is there are hundreds of monsters there's a hundred monsters in the game they're kind of like wildly walking around the environment you can choose to engage with them by uh, the first thing you build is a club. So as a player, you are bashing these pals in the head to lower their health lo- far enough for you to throw a uh, pal sphere at them to capture them. And that's the similarities of Pokemon is that you throw the essentially the Pokeball and the lower their health is, the higher pal chance sphere. you're going to catch them. I know. <laughs> that's amazing. And you can see why the internet has latched on to like, the similarities and I've gone... <laughs> kind of ape shit over it when really it's 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 not a nothing burger but it's like it is right on the line you know i think and that's why <laughs> you know pokemon companies had to make a, a statement on it but i think really it's just to like we hear you we're keeping an eye on it um don't take our lack of a lawsuit to mean we're not going to sue someone who who legit rips us off um <laughs> But you're right. Uh, yes, a pal sphere. So we're gonna catch Porkachu with the pal sphere. It's totally legit. I think a lot. Like if there are any similarities that are too close, that, that they could easily be changed with a patch. Like nothing, nothing in there is too like crazy. But essentially, you catch these pals, 
and you can either have the pal join your team as a as a pal that you throw out so you can like summon a pal by throwing their pokeball or sorry their pal sphere and then they are in the open world and then as you attack other pals they will also attack pals um but also you have the base building aspect where the pokemon stuff that's it for the pokemon stuff like there's battles in real time that's not even like pokemon pokemon's always been turn-based this is real time um you are part of the battle that's not like pokemon at all but the cool thing you can do with your pals is that each pal has like a a, a, an attribute like a, a specific job they can do whether it's like cutting down wood or mining or building. And essentially you can assign them to work in your base. And suddenly a lot of the crafting stuff, like the really tedious stuff, like building ammo and supplies and building materials that can all be done by the various pals that you capture. So there's that aspect to it of the building that you can kind of remove by just, okay, I have, I have these sheep pals that can build. I have this, water pal that can water my crops i have this fire pal that can smelt iron like and that's kind of like the loop you know gotcha okay yeah no so so there's yeah no there's bits of like like uh, for lack of a better term an rts kind of like where you have your surfs and you send them out to get stuff no i mean that sounds all you know there's it sounds it does sound i understand why it would be about um a bow game based on some some yeah. of that stuff but it also the you know the insane popularity of it has left me curious just like i was with PUBG at the time the other game ryan i just wanted to talk to briefly because it's like one of those ones where it's like you know you have a ton of games you're like the grass is always greener there's a new game that comes out for me that's the prince of persia metroidvania game prince of persia the lost crown i love metroidvanias i think like oh man this would be a perfect fit for my steam deck when i'm putting the girls to bed but why play this when i could play you know fit, finally finish the hollow knight game i own or ori in the blind forest 2 or whatever like there's other games that i could potentially play that are great metroidvanias but the heart wants what it wants and i'm like oh the prince of persia game you know but have have you played that prince of persia game yet uh no i've only played the demo um oh, i was a demo. Uh, yeah I but should... i would i would advise against the demo it uh it actually, it actually turned me away from playing the game because it's kind of well. That's, that might be what I need. <laughs> yeah, it's what I used it for. Because honestly, I was going to subscribe to Ubisoft Plus for a month just to play Prince of Persia. Um, but I think I'm going to wait for a sale or wait for a bit. So my plan. So here's what my plan was: I was going to subscribe to Ubisoft Plus, and then I was going to play through Prince of Persia on the Xbox, and then move into Assassin's Creed Mirage until the subscription lapsed. So effectively getting the money's worth of the 20 bucks, but you're going to go what they call full UB. I yeah, I guess so. Do they say that? I think that's what the head of subscriptions would like you to say. No, that's what I'm saying. You're you should gonna go, go full, full UB. I'm going to going to put my head down, go full UB for a month and then just, you know, come out the other side. Yeah. You'd be like, what year is it? Yeah. Geez. Where, where, how, how many towers do I have to climb to get here? You know? Maybe, maybe four or five. <laughs> Ubisoft Climb Towers unlocks the map. Come on, Ryan. <laughs> I got it. Don't worry. All right. Uh, but yeah, no, I was in the same, I'm in the same boat. Like I, and I know like the, those games get, you know, cheap 
to like because Ubisoft did that's how they sell things for some reason. So you you almost feel like a sucker coming in day one, but you also want to support the things you like with your wallet. So, but I also have all these other games. So anyway, yeah. I I just thought I'd pick your uh, your gamer brain on on where you were at on that one. The other thing too is I hear that it's not like even though it feels like it'd be a slam dunk for the Steam Deck, it feels like you have to. You can get it working on the Steam Deck because of UB launchers and bullcrap. It's it's not as obvious as you would think. It's like Epic Game Store or something. Uh, so um, I would look probably end up looking at getting it on the Switch. I will say what's interesting now with my girls having played Spider-Man 2 with them, games like this, like I'd have to get a sense of what the MSRB really is. But like some of these games that are like T for teen, like if they're not overly violent and or whatever, they that sometimes I can get by on them. Though I do remember the original Prince of Persia game involved falling in a lot of spikes and getting gored. So maybe maybe this wouldn't be a good one for them to watch. Yeah. But um all right. Just speaking of games that are good for them to watch, one thing that I think a lot of parents do, and I I totally do or have done is segregated my consoles the adult consoles from the switch which is the family console nintendo has had a monopoly essentially on family games when the game awards uh would have a family game best family game category generally it's like just like award for nintendo and three of the five nominees would be like nintendo games or whatever and uh I love that. That's great. I love all those Nintendo games. In fact, I've been enjoying as hours upon hours of this podcast will back up. I I have been really enjoying playing those those games with my kids. Um, but I have also had kind of a blind spot for kids games that are on other consoles like um and with the arrival of the playstation 5 you know i powered through spider-man 2 that was one that we wanted to play but it comes built in with this game called astrobot uh and uh, astrobot something like i forget what the subtitle is uh because uh, there's, there's a VR room yeah astro's playroom astrobot yeah. is the uh, vr game um astro's playroom uh, featuring astrobot is is this game and this game for though for the very few or people probably who don't have a ps5 they might not know it's it's a pack-in with the ps5 so you get it for free with the ps5 and it's a 3d platformer in the vein of like you know a mario odyssey type which uh it's you know smaller like there's less worlds and stuff but it's also meant as to do, it, it has sort of two major things that it's trying to do. One is showcase the the, the PlayStation Five controller, uh, and, and two is celebrate the history of sort of PlayStation. Um, over the each of the the worlds is focused on one of the generations of PlayStation. The collectibles in it are related to that generation of PlayStation. And I admit, like I was popping throughout. I would every time you discover a collectible, and it's like. You know, like it, I, I would be like, I remember those memory cards or I would, I, you know, everything <laughs> was everything was very much hitting the nostalgia spheres for me. But the kids were loving it because it's such a kid friendly game. Astro has so much personality as like a little character. Um, it's really easy to play. There's like uh, 
every world is divided into sections where you get a superpower suit or something like where you turn into a ball and roll or you turn into a monkey and climb. Uh, the music is really good. Uh, conceptually, it's set inside the PlayStation 5. So you, the idea is that Astrobot is walking around your PlayStation 5, and when you go to a level, it's like the the, the cooling level that it's all about the based on the fans or the, the GPU jungle that's all based on, you know, memory meadows or something based on your RAM. Like it's, it's, it, um, but then it's all whimsical and cartoony with like robots inside. And it's just so well made. The only thing I can begrudge upon it is that it's not longer and it's plenty long. Like we, we got everything, every collectible, every puzzle piece, the girls wanted to do it all. Um, and in the end, like that would have been a full, full length game, but in nowadays games are longer and stuff. So, um, but it made me recognize as well, because like a lot of the homages during Astrobot, you'll see like homages to other games. Most of the other games are not kid appropriate. Like Gwen would be like, what's that game? I'm like, that's Resident Evil, you know, I'm like, what's that? <laughs> what, what do you think? And, and so. So I realize that PlayStation has never really been strong on the kids' games, and that's what makes this one so – it almost feels like something that a Nintendo console would launch with. And I kept saying while playing the game, like, oh, my goodness, what I would give for – and like, I know Nintendo Land launched with the Wii U, but, like, something like this – for the next Nintendo generation of console that celebrates all these generations of Nintendo consoles, I would be all over that, right? Like it would be, especially if it was done with this level of care and polish, I was going to say Nintendo level of care and polish, but like, honestly, this Astrobot game, I would put up there, like if Nintendo had made this, I would not have been surprised. Right. But it has also that higher level of graphics from the PS five and stuff. So anyway, really, really awesome. And that has segged into, um, uh, Sackboy, a big adventure, which uh, I was like, what other kid games are there on this system? Um, and, you know, Ratchet and Clank might be one. Um, I, the guns have put me off for a while, but now I think that at least Gwen is old enough for that and would appreciate that stuff. But Sackboy is essentially Mario 3D World. Like, it's like uh, walking around and it's, it's multiplayer and the family can play it together. I'll talk about it more next time because I've already talked a lot about Astrobot, but I will just say it is very magical, very whimsical, has all those best elements of sort of like a great Nintendo game. And it's one that I up until recently would have missed. I really wish somebody would have told me about it because it's such a good uh, game to play with the kids. Yeah, no, the, both those games are fantastic. And I think that um, you and I were, or you were discussing it in Discord about the Astro uh, VR game being locked to the previous generation of PlayStation VR. I don't think it's on VR two. I, I could be wrong, but uh, it's unfortunate because like, I think that team has made some really solid games and I know that Sony has um, at least last I heard given them more development resources to possibly make more games um, in that vein. And, and, Astro's Playroom was like a small sort of experience and it would be really cool to see what they could do with like a full budget and a full game. Um, but you're right. PlayStation kind of, you know, focuses more on the big budget adult, uh, mature entertainment type side of things. I just like, even if you took Astro's Playroom and you added 
four more worlds. Like it, it comes before you just double the worlds. Uh, I, I'm not saying that that's easy, but like the mechanics are the same. Everything else is the same. You have a full game, and it's and it's and it's a great game. So yeah, I think that they should be getting resources to develop stuff. What I was saying about the VR thing, and this is this is unfortunately like VR is still a nascent technology, just growing, and it's also divided by different marketplaces. Like you've got, you know, HTC Vive, and then oculus which is becoming bigger and more prominent and i don't necessarily like to see consolidation but like vr is so small as it is that like having one that is like a big player where everybody has access to the games it is kind of nice to see but playstation while i support that they're doing vr stuff it and that they're throwing resources behind these games it's just unfortunate because they have such a small share of the marketplace their product is still quite expensive and like Nobody's going to buy these things, especially if, if AstroBot doesn't work with the new gen of VR, PSVR, which I hope it does because, like, that would be ridiculous. Um, then, then like, these these games, even if they're, they're funded by Sony and the company's not losing any skin off their back, they're, they're being kind of, like, like, held back in a way. And they could fall uh, – through the you know the sands of time could pass and these games could become uh like inaccessible almost completely inaccessible um and and uh, i would really like it if they were at a certain point like what sony is doing like they announced today horizon uh hidden we or forbidden west is coming to pc surprise surprise at one probably this point next year they'll announce spider-man 2 is coming they've got their cadence now for pc so like i i don't i i think it's great that they have these exclusives for psvr but like wait a year and whatever and then release them on other vr platforms because otherwise they're going to be lost anyway that's neither here nor there but that's my my concern there isn't a tremendous amount of games that i want to play on on psvr but there are some and i read i realized that not only am i not going to play them but at one point Sony's going to pull the plug on PSVR and those games unless they're given permission to be ported elsewhere are just going to, you know, disappear. Yeah, I'm not buying a PSVR. Sorry, Sony. But if they were to port some experiences, like I get that, uh, I get they, they likely foot the bill for a lot of the Capcom ports that they did for VR. So I highly doubt those escape that ecosystem but i could see sony making i mean here's the thing they never did it with the vr the psvr so the precedent is super low for them to do it with the psvr too even oh, though right. it is like a higher dollar uh amount so no i i i know I, I i hear i hear that i hear that it's just uh it's just something that would be nice to see anyway uh i will say kudos to sony for them good work on some some kid friendly games supporting some kid friendly games if there's more like sack boys and stuff like i'm even thinking about like i missed the entire little big planet franchise going back like to little big planet 3 maybe the most recent one see if it's something that the kids would like you know there's games there that i missed and you know it makes me want to look at and bug snacks that was another one um i played that uh -huh. on xbox but like there are some there but Nintendo presents them in such a cohesive and consolidated fashion. Sometimes you forget about the ones on these other consoles. So I look at Xbox as well and be like, what are some of the kid-friendly games that maybe I'm missing here, you know? 
Yeah, Nintendo just has more of them, so I think it's easier for them to collect them, but Sony doesn't really present them like that. They're also often in the same universes, and so like the characters are known to you and your kids and stuff, you know. It was it's harder, like who's Sackboy? Like, and I will say that's the weakest part about Sackboy to, to give you the sense of like customizing him and doing all that stuff. He has zero sense of character or place or personality. He's just an avatar for for your game. Um, he doesn't talk, whereas other characters talk and all of that. So it's not like he, you're you know left with a feeling of this character afterwards. Like you, even though Mario just says woohoo, um, you you have a sense of like Mario or whatever. And I, I feel like you ha- you don't have that as much here, which is fine. But I I do think it you know when when um, the PlayStation originally launched, it was anchored around Crash Bandicoot as their uh, replacement mascot. Like they were coming in, Crash was their mascot. When the Genesis launched and Sega was trying to really like push into Nintendo's grill, Sonic was introduced as their, their big mascot. And they would introduce these like mascots as like sort of like, you know, the way that you get your kids and your family into these games. I think there's opportunity for Astro in particular, Astrobot, to be. Uh, like especially with this PlayStation love letter thing that uh, you know built it pack in for for Astro to become the the PlayStation mascot moving forward and I really think that they you know maybe it's Sackboy and Astro and they you know they, they they build maybe they give them an even an interconnected world or have them share a game together or that sort of thing but I think there's opportunity there and I'm going to keep my eyes out on these other consoles now that the girls are a bit older to see if there's some kid stuff on them but Ryan all that stuff Ryan that I talked about cost money dollars and uh and so I recognized the other day that uh that my kids have no sense of video games costing any money. Uh, <laughs> yeah. what, what, when I bought Sackboy, uh, Clara was like, oh, do we have this game now? And I was like, yes. When Gwen got Pikmin 4 for Christmas, she was like pretty much no sold it because for her getting a game for Christmas is would be like when I got clothes for Christmas, I'm like, well, I get clothes during the year anyway. So why do I care about clothes now? Uh, I play, I get video games during the year anyway. Why do I care about this video game now? Because I buy video games. So it made me recognize that they think about money and video games in a different way than I thought about money and video games when I was a kid. It also made me think about my kids and how they think about money in general, especially I have a nine-year-old now, Gwen, who's who's thinking about it more often and, and like has an allowance. And, and, you know, we talked about her having her Christmas sale and, and, and selling things and, and trying to set prices for things. I thought today as our, our topic, kids and money would be a good, good topic. Um, and, uh, and see where that takes us. So Ryan, do, I guess, sort of a, a twofold question for you. Do your kids at this point, any of them, Caden being the oldest, maybe more likely to have allowances. And two, if they don't have an allowance, how do they currently think about money? Right. Okay. So easy first question. Do the kids have allowance? Uh, no. And not for any particular reason other than like as parents, we haven't really, we kept putting it off mainly because we kept having kids. I think we're at the stage now where we can probably look to implement an allowance um, 
at least for the older two. Um, but the the second question was, do they? Was sorry, what was the second question? <laughs> I lost my train of thought there. The second question is is if so, like if they don't have an allowance in which that they they oh, you right. know they have they know they have x amount of money and they can spend it in this way or they get a sense of what the cost of things are do you have a sense of how like say Caden and Abigail particularly would think about think about value and money and stuff like do they think that like do you have the impression that they think that money just rains from the sky and that you have unlimited money that you pull out of a magic machine or have a magic card that provides like unlimited money and you can just get whatever you want whenever you want do they think that that money is really scarce and that you have to like what is their what do you think their relationship is with money or how they think about it yeah i mean i i think they have a a fairly healthy relationship with money like they 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 certainly don't think it grows on trees or rains from the sky um they know that mommy and daddy go to work every day or when they do go to work they're working to you know make money to pay for the various things we have i think they understand not to the point of like trying to uh you know I don't want to like ruin them by like everything you do costs money, which is true, but they're, you know, eight, six and three. I don't really want to wreck their brains be, by being like everything I, everything I do costs money, you know, like, you know, I want them to have like a little bit of innocence when it comes to that and just enjoy what's in front of them. Like enjoy Netflix without having to worry about, man, what if Netflix increases the prices next month? Oh my God, again, um, now that I've put that out there, I've basically confirmed it'll happen, but they, they also don't like ask to buy stuff. Um, they have money, they get money from, you know, my mom and dad will come visit and they'll, my grandpa or, uh, their grandfather, my dad will sometimes give them a toonie each and then they go run up and put in their piggy bank. They might have like, I don't know, 40 or 50 bucks to their name, each of them, and uh, I think we're going to open a bank account soon. I think Caden and Abby are going to go get a bank account at some point. And what what yeah. would they be like when they're saving up that money? What are they saving it up for? Like, what does Caden think he's going to do with that money? They're just storing it. I think at this stage, like we've said in the past, like if you want something, you can go buy it. But then either Ashley or I, depending on who suggests it, will immediately say like, they don't need another one of those because what usually happens is Caden and Abby and Izzy, we kind of ask them when they want something like, Hey, your birthday's in X amount of months or whatever. Why don't you put it on your birthday list or your Christmas list? Now for Caden, that kind of sucks because he's in a similar situation to you because he has Christmas. Then three weeks later, he has his birthday. So like, once February hits, he's looking at an eleven month, you know, desert <laughs> of of uh, of opportunity for, I, for gift. I hear giving. that, buddy. I yeah. hear that. Yeah. Whereas Abigail's kind of like in the middle. She's got August and December, so she if she can skate through the spring, she's like, well, I just have to make it through a bit of summer, and like that's easy because I'm not in school and I'm just having fun. Um, whereas I'm Abby and or Izzy and I are in the same boat where we're we're both born in March, so it's like. It's a little bit after Christmas, so you can always get what you couldn't get at Christmas or whatever. But then you have that nine months of like, I got to save up my money. But the kids aren't really into anything that they want to buy. And and this is the thing 
same thing about video games here. Like, uh, it's not like when I was a kid, I had to get all my games. I had to rent them or whatever, uh, or save up for them or split them with my three brothers. But I remember like, you know, if I wanted a game, I had to get it. You know, it was not something that my parents were playing and I just got to use their copy, which is different now because like I'm buying the games, some of which I'm buying for myself and the kids get to play. Um, so, and, and there's so many games. So like they get, they, they, they don't have to get a specific one. They can just play like, Oh, Ryan got, or dad got, uh, uh, what would be, any, or I don't, I don't know. I'm trying to think of an example. Most of the games I got for Christmas were all for more mature, but, uh, but see, I, one thing that strikes me on that, cause I also sort of think like. I can relate a little bit to that as well. And I think that when it comes to explaining to your kids about money, it does help if they want something specific. And I yeah. don't just mean like one thing. If, they, if they're into a hobby and that hobby has a recurring cost, like I'll take me for instance, when I was a kid, I was into hockey. I collected hockey cards and you'd go and you'd buy packs at the, you know, at the Depenar or whatever, and you would open them and it, like maybe you would get the cards you wanted. I know a lot of kids are still into like sort of Pokemon cards and different things. And the idea here is that, they, you know, they cost a certain amount of money, uh, but they're completely unnecessary. Like parents aren't just going to buy them to buy them, you know, uh, they're for the most part kids want them and then they start budgeting around them so what i noticed is that gwen has had a little bit of a financial awakening with her obsession over calico critters which are <laughs> uh, essentially these just little cutesy figurines um that look like animals uh there's like called um what, what Gwen most wanted for Christmas was Calico Critter Playhouse, like Red Roof Country Home, it's called. But like there's all these different family, like the Otter family of Calico Critters. They come in like a three pack. They're like little doll packs or whatever. And uh, when I was a kid, my friend Patrick was really into micro machines and he would get these like he would, you know, we say putting his allowance towards buying micro machines. Because if your parents are going to pay for something then why spend any of your money on it? So like, you know, Gwen, there's lots of stuff that she likes doing. Like she likes going to, there's this arcade and stuff called Fun Haven near my house, but she knows that we're going to, we're going to put money into that. She doesn't necessarily need to spend her money on that. So her having it, something that she's going to spend money on allows her to focus her savings and to think about like, like she's, when she's like, Oh, I'm going to, I'd like to do a garage sale in the spring to raise money so I can buy the Otter family from Calico Critter, right? Like I, I, and, and that's part of it. What's funny is like her collectibles and it's the same way with cards too. You know, you put the cards in these plastic things, you look at them, but you don't really, maybe there's some games you play with them, but mostly you're like, they're in my binder now, you know, at Gwen and Gwen, it's the same with the Calico Critters. Really the buying of them is like, she's happy to have them and she puts them in her little playhouse. And every once in a while she'll do like a pretend game with them, but mostly she just wants to display them and have them and collect them. That's how collectors work. And so 
she actually enjoys the saving up and buying it and trying to get money for herself to be able to do it, you know? Uh, and so I do think that that's important. Kids having something that, that they motivate because saving, like, like if Kate, if Caden gets into something and then, then you get into this other question of like, if they're into something and have no self-control and just want to blow all their money on that thing right away, I'm into Pokemon cards. I right, let me break open my piggy bank. I have $70 here, sir. Give me $70 worth of Pokemon cards. You're like, no buddy, you don't want to use all your money at once. You know, um, it, it, it is a, it can be, I understand the other side of that coin, but I've been lucky to experience right now. My girls have been really motivated by like, collecting things and then trying to find a way to make a little bit of money to build their collections. Yeah. Uh, and like, hmm. Caden hasn't really gotten into collecting. He he's had fits and spurts, you know, like with Beyblades for a little bit, but he never really kind of stuck with it. And, um, Abby, I'm glad Abby hasn't really gotten into collecting. Cause she's like, she she's kind of like me like she has so much stuff and she puts it in her room and we will have to talk about this in another episode but we recently did a shuffle of rooms in the house to kind of give the kids their own rooms just due to some sleeping issues we've been trying to solve and so far it's been working but like she got she just had to move all of her stuff into this room she just has a lot of stuff and if she ever became a collector We've actually been trying to discourage collecting because honestly, it just end with a pile of stuff uh, in her room. But that being said, like they haven't really gone out to buy their own thing yet. They haven't done that yet. Like they kind of they kind of get what they need, but they know they have the money. And I think they understand that if they if they really, truly wanted something, they'd spend their money. They kind of remind me of my younger brother who understood money and still does very much understand money uh and only spends it on stuff when they absolutely need to or want and want to you know it's never like oh man i really want x it's more like i i like that but i'm not gonna buy it with my own money i'm gonna wait till a birthday or or a gift or whatever like we can go, we don't often take the kids to the stores. They don't watch a lot of com commercials. Like they have everything they, they need. But if, but if Abigail said like, I want a new doll or, or I want this new video game thing, it's always like, well, you can buy it with your own money and you can spend a chunk of your change or you can wait till your birthday. Oh yeah. Let's do the birthday thing. Cause I think they understand that they have that money and they don't want to get rid of it. Like we got into the point where we were talking about bank accounts because they have their money and we were like, you should open, you can sign your name, you know, go with mom to the bank, open an account. And, and then they were like, but what happens to my money when I want it back out? Do I get the same money? And it led to a whole conversation of like, well, that's not how it works. Like you give them the money. So let's say you give them 10 toonies and you wanted to go take 10 bucks out, they'd give you a $10 bill. They're not going to give you the same t 10, no, five toonies. Sorry, math. That's Anyways. funny. Yeah, it is. It is interesting. It's not something that you'd ever think about necessarily, but you'd be like, yeah, could I have the exact same $100 I put yeah. in? No, no, no. We're, we're giving you a different $100. And I'm like, no, I want that. I tr entrusted you with that specific $100. It's not a safety know? deposit box. It's a bank account. Like I basically yeah. we, we, I kind of stopped explaining it because I, I could see 
the wheels turning and they were like, why would I ever put my money in a bank if I'm not getting the same money back? It's like, you know, there are people in this world that have that same opinion. You know what they do? They have all their money under the mattress and we're not doing that. You, you, you know, you can keep your money in a piggy bank, but we're going to get to the point where you're putting your, your paychecks under your, under your pillow, you know, like well, we're going to, we're going to get there. One thing I like about money is, is in terms of kids now is that maybe look, okay. I lived in the country. I, I mean, it's less the country where I lived is less the grew up is less the country now than it was when I grew up. But now I live in the city, and so part of that might just be a country city thing. But it, and I think I think my girls are exposed to money and financial transactions more than I was, um, and they're given a sense of it a little bit more. And school, I'm seems to be enabling that. Like as I said about Gwen's Christmas uh, camp, like you have to be in grade four to be able to sell at the Christmas fair, grade four, five, and six. And then you get a, a document, you get trained on how to price your crafts or price your stuff. And then, you know, you've got to, it, it's got, they talk about like how, you know, the, the supplies that you use to make it, that your time and profit margins and all of this sort of stuff, right? Really cool. And so she thinks about it and understands it in a money in a way that I didn't necessarily, like I got an allowance from my parents and I knew that there was stuff that I could buy with my allowance that my parents would never buy. Um, so I would blow my money uh, more often than not on like candy at the at corner store. Like we would, my brothers and I on allowance day, we would go down to the corner store. We would blow all our money immediately. And we, we figured out exactly how much, like, you know, if we had two bucks, like 50 cents for Popeye cigarettes or whatever, like we could, we knew exactly how to maximize our 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 money um and uh but to blow it entirely so like we would have no savings we would bike back and have no money for the rest of the week knowing that our parents like we lived in the country so there was nowhere really to spend money anyways and our parents would pay for everything else during the week but in the city there are is definitely opportunity to potentially you know spend money gwen's out with me often she sees different things in stores and it's like, Oh, you know, maybe I would like that. Or, and, and now my question will be like, do you want to spend, do you want to spend your money on, on that? And she gets money from gifts from grandpa and other things. She always has a little bit, much more money than I did as a, as a kid, but she's very prudent about using it. She'll buy things that she wants. And I'm very proud of her in the way that, that she thinks about money. Um, Clara is a little like she's five. So a lit, a, a lot less, but still she's starting to understand stuff about money a little, a, a, a little bit more. So I just think that, you know, financial literacy was something that I didn't have a lot of when I was growing up. And that I, I'm glad that it seems to be a little more common for kids nowadays, or at least that maybe, again, it could be a city thing over a country thing. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in the middle of nowhere and I think uh, I'd have to talk to my parents about it to get the real story. But what I remember is that, you know, we, we had allowance and uh, my parents didn't make us use our allowance for everything we wanted, like little things. Like when we rented a game, I think my parents would cover it. But it was like that was like small money and it kept us entertained for the whole weekend slash week, depending on how long we had it. But for collectible stuff like Pokemon cards or whatever, it'd be like, well, in lieu of allowance, can I get a, a Pokemon card pack? I think we got like maybe two bucks when we were younger and then maybe five bucks a week. 
or something. But we grew up on a farm, so we our chores were like get the eggs, wash the eggs, feed the animals, little things like bringing wood if it was winter. Uh, not to say we did all of it. Like I doubt mom and dad are listening, and I know like you know we complained. No kids like chores, especially um, really hard ones. <laughs> <laughs> or or time consuming and when you're a kid you think it's time consuming looking back it probably didn't take that long um but i think that when when we lived in the country like we were farther removed from the places where you spend money there was no online shopping so it was a lot easier to kind of like look away and and not really worry about spending money but once i got into video games it was very much like saving my allowance for the video game like i remember super mario rpg I put a bunch of toonies into a glass jar and took it downstairs and said, okay, I've got enough. I've got my $90 plus tax. I'm going to buy this game. What's funny about that story, Ryan, is you routinely describe that game as one of your favorites, if not your favorite of all time, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and But, like, I wonder if part of that is because that you saved up all that money and bought it yourself. And, like... You know, it, it is not to take away that it was an awesome game, but like I saved up all my money to buy my mom routinely pirated PC games <laughs> and uh, she would give me, give me the Sierra games. And I was Sierra was like my Nintendo. Like I would knew all their characters. There was even a Sierra magazine and, and I would know the games that are coming out. And I would want certain games. I'm like, oh, the maker of Police Quest made this new game. And I wanted this game called Codename Iceman. And um, Codename Iceman was, uh, at that time, $60 Canadian, which is like in the late 80s or something. So, like, that's how how much video games have retained. Like, like it was crazy. And it was in one of these big PC boxes. But um, that game is not a good game. <laughs> that is not a good game. But nobody had it. My mom's friends didn't have it. I knew about it from this magazine. And so she's like, well, if you wanted it, you'd have to buy it in a store. And I'd be like, oh, I'll buy it in a store. And she's like, okay, it's like $60. And so I had to save up for it. And I did like you. But instead of getting a Super Mario RPG at the end, I got a game that was kind of like, but I desperately wanted it to be good because I put all this money into it. You know, I was like, I got to finish it. I got to do all this. I got to figure it out because I spent so much money on this game. Right. So it creates this sense of value. And I guess there's lessons to be learned there. You know, like you buy something stupid and you're like, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have bought that. Or, you know, they marketed it to me and they fooled me or whatever. Yeah, I did that with um, uh, Kirby and the, I want to say Kirby and the Crystal Skulls, but I think it was Kirby and the Crystal Shards, (laughs) Kirby 64. And I thought it was, you know, naive kid, you know, had the internet at school for like 10 minutes a week and maybe some magazine screenshots. And you could kind of see it and you're like, oh man, it's Super Mario 64, but it's Kirby. It's going to be great. Right. Of course, it's a Uh, 2D side scrolling and... I think I realized it as I was looking at the manual on the way home from picking it up. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is this is a Kirby game. You know? Yeah. Looking back, I should have I should have seen it coming. But 
Yeah, but it's not like for like Forbidden Land and some of these no. newer ones. It was because I played that one too, Ryan. And actually, I quite that one caught me. I never played a Kirby. That was the first Kirby game I think I ever played. I was working for Nintendo at the time, and I played it on, on the Mega Dome floor. And I remember being like, I remember being like, "Hey, this is pretty fun," but like I had zero expectations. But I can just put myself in the shoes, especially 3d had become such a hot thing. And you're like, wow, there's going to be another 3d experience like Mario. And instead it's, it, it was what Kirby was, which was a 3d rendered game, except in yes, 2D. Of course. you know? So, so yeah. like that's, that's gotta be a letdown. Yeah. I could see why that, and, and also those cards, those like, do you remember how much that game costs? Oh, 90 gosh. bucks? Uh, pr- probably. I think the carts were expensive. Yeah, it was. They were so expensive. Yeah, they were it so was expensive. crazy. But that's it, too. It's like it's in the same with Lego. People collect, you know, like Lego. All of that stuff is really expensive now. So anyway, I, you know, with in terms of like, you know, finances with allowances with kids, I think it's like when your kids are the 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 age that they're starting to to want things and you're trying to mitigate a little bit of of that want but you're also trying to curate that sense of financial literacy um, I mean allowances are a good a, a good thing as long as that they're realistic and you got to know your kid too cuz there are kids like me that just run out and spend oh, spend them all right away I've got this money I've got to spend it and then you have kids that are like like our kids seemingly that are more like, I'm going to put this in my piggy bank or I'm going to save for this thing. I actually want, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what happened to kids today, Ryan. <laughs> well, yeah. I, so that was going to be my question just to kind of like, you know, take it back to the beginning of the conversation. So in terms of allowances, like when, when do you decide it's right to give an allowance to a kid? It sounds like we're talking about it as if like, if the kids are asking for money or want to spend money, then they can earn an allowance. But like, since the kids aren't like, you know, really asking for money, they're content with what they have. Do you, are you introduced? Is it like, are you introducing it too early by giving them allowance now? Do you wait until they want something like, well, it, the three variables I think are, do you want them to do stuff around the house that they're not doing and that you like want to bribe them Uh, to two is, is do you are they at the age where you want to start you know empowering some sort of financial literacy you realize they know nothing about money and they should know a little bit more so you're kind of giving them a budget to manage in a way and and three are they bugging you for stuff all the time and then you have to have all these conversations like either any one of those three could elicit conversation about having an allowance um i know with gwen the issue was Kids at school had an allowance and she wanted one, right? That right. was what what it, what it was. She was like, so-and-so gets so much money a week to do that. And, and we were like, well, if we gave you an allowance, you would have to do something to earn that allowance, right? And so that opens up these other sort of uh, conversations as well. Because we got kind of a little lax and Gwen got lax about actually doing things for her allowance. And then we give it to her monthly. So she gets her allowance monthly and then she would, she would just get it. And, you know, recently we've had a conversation with her being like, you know, you're not really living up to getting this money. And we didn't hold back her allowance that month, but we just said like, look, we are going to hold back your allowance if you're not earning it. 
like she's supposed to clear the table after supper, you know, not things that are hugely, hugely complicated, but the things that she can do. Um, and so she's like, no, 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 I, I'm going to do those things. And so we've noticed already that she has made, like she's made efforts to do, to do this. But I do think that some parents will be like, I, uh, my, my issue as a parent is that my kid is not doing anything and I can't get them to do anything. And so this might be a tool to incentivize them to do that thing without, you know, getting into, you know, countless arguments. And I say that that's an okay solution in so much as that, like, it's, you know, they understand that they're doing that they don't get and that you're, you're big enough to hold the money back if they don't do it. You know, if that's, if that's your solution for things and the added benefit of an allowance, again, always is them getting an understanding of the value of money and, you know, and how it works and that sort of thing. Um, right. Because with parents, they're never going to have a sense of like, it's never going to happen uh, or it shouldn't happen. Really. They, they're going to go up to a cash with their parents where their parents are going to need to buy something and their parents don't have the money. Like that's rarely going to happen because you as a parent are going to go up only to that cash register to pay for something if you do have the money. Right. And so, um, because you've done, you've done the math in your head, you're not bringing a shirt up to the cash to buy it, or you're not buying entry tickets to a museum for instance, if you don't have the money to do so. But a kid might go and try to buy something and be like, here's $5. And this shopkeep might be like, that's $6 actually, son. And you're like, oh, okay, well, I only have $5. And he's like, okay, well, come back when you have six. Um, there's a learning, you know, there's there's learning opportunity there, right? So yeah. I, I um anyway. I, I do think I do think allowance is one thing and then it's like it's your kid's relationship with money and what are you doing to make them aware of it foster it like explain like how, how do they see you know being rich or being do they self-identify already as rich or poor do they not self-identify at all of like thinking of like you know as as either of those things and stuff Um like, do they, you know, they, these are all sort of questions that stem from, from money and it's an, it, it's an effect on children as they grow. So I, you know, I, I don't have all the answers. I tried to buffer my kids from like financial stuff or until they sure. were older, but now, especially with Gwen, I want to not, not like drown her in it, but like make her uh, smart, you know? Oh yeah. Well, and that's, th it sounds like a, the opportunity presented itself for you with, with Gwen. Um, I think like I find money to be a little, well, money is stressful. And like, I kind of think to myself of like, I don't want, and I'm not saying like allowance and like when I, I don't remember when I was a kid, it, you know, allowance and money wasn't stressful. It was a good learning experience. But like now that I'm an adult, I'm sure. <laughs> and I say that as if it just happened. I've been an adult for a while, folks. Uh, contrary to popular belief, but I think that it 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 would be tough. It, it might be uh, an experience to try to like, okay, like you know, adult money stuff that's over here. Kid allowance money teaching, you know, fundamentals like that's over there. Like separated a little bit, as you said, have a bit of a buffer between the two. Like they can't. It can't be like. Hey, Caden, now you get you get a toonie every week if you um, help with the dishes twice a week. 
you know, uh, but also, man, our cell phone bill just went up or Netflix just increased the price or, you know, like dragging him, dragging the kids. And that that conversation is definitely separate. Uh, but I, I almost wonder, like, man, is there a is there a is there a problem to introducing them to it too soon? Like, have we already done the damage by letting grandparents give them a couple of bucks? Oh, I don't think so. Yeah, well, that's good. Yeah, like Jesse's dad is overly generous with them, gives them a ton, ton of money, um, and uh, you know, like <laughs> it, it. There's, there's, they kids have you know more money probably than we did, but things cost more too. So it's like it's really hard to to, to gauge that. So I, I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry too much. Yeah, but I also get like you know, I, I think they understand that that's. That's grandparents' money, you know, like they, I think they get that. I think kids understand that. I think my kids understand it. Um, and cause we don't like, we don't give them like, Hey, you had a great week. Here's, here's a toonie for your troubles. You know, it's more like, let's go celebrate. Let's go to, we can go to the McDonald's play place. We'll get a donut and I'll have a coffee and you can go play on the playground for a little bit with your friends. Yeah. Like, I think that we'd have to figure out chores that they could do. I think that'd be the, that'd be the thing. No, I, I, yeah. Realistic things that just like, and, and they can just be things so that they understand a task, but I, I really wouldn't tie it to behaviors. Like when you're like, no. Oh, you had a good week. I'd be like, well, you know, it shouldn't be like your allowance is contingent on you not having any meltdowns or whatever. I think when you're bribing kids for behavior or like tying money, to behavior that's a bad spot to be and you want to tie it to actions that they take like you're like uh, you know you are to make your bed every morning or whatever something but something that is realistic that you know that the, the, for their age that they will do and stuff like in and sometimes you get like you know you they leave their toothbrushes in the sink all the time it's like you've got to put your toothbrush in the thing like and yes they're expected to do that regularly but maybe it's picking a couple of tasks they're expected to do anyways and like just saying this is part of your allowance now right and um so yeah no i i i get i get that like you don't want to the the balancing of incentivization is, is tough and like i'm not saying introduce money before your kids are ready for money but it's just like in terms of fostering their relationship with money it's it's keeping an eye on on uh, when the right time is to introduce an allowance and recognizing that you have about eight kids that when you have a when the first kid that you start with when they start with something like an allowance the other kids will see it and then and then want you know want that themselves even before they might be ready for it right so then then it might be a question of being like like i know with me i got 250 a week my brother nick was younger he got 225 and my brother dev got two bucks so like I got more money and ostensibly was supposed to do more things. I'm not sure I actually did more things, uh, but like that was that was kind of like the way that that my parents broke it down. I'm not saying that's the right answer either. I'm just saying it's a, it is an option. But as soon as you introduce it for Caden, Abby's gonna want like why does he get oh, yeah. money? You know, so it's just yeah. like that. That's why it may be worth worth holding out. But in our case. The age gap is such that it hasn't been a thing with Clara yet, you know? So she's five, Gwen's nine. Gwen started getting her allowance when she was four and Gwen was eight, you know? And 
I think it was just enough that she, Clara didn't care, you know? So maybe that'll change soon. Who knows? Yeah. Um, all right. Well, a lot of food for thought uh, for everybody here on, on multiple fronts. So number one, uh, Ryan is going to put out another straw poll this time to determine what my challenge is going to be for 2024. Um, look for that. Vote in that uh, and try to get me to either start my own soon-to-be super successful podcast or start my my own like super successful Twitch stream. Um, and we will we will uh, we will put those in a, in a poll and also share us uh, your thoughts on money and your kids and on and money and and what you do and uh, what's worked what hasn't worked what some of your challenges have been maybe some of the stuffs Ryan Ryan and I might have missed here. There's a lot to talk about when it comes uh, to money for sure. So you can do that in the Discord. We have a Dungeons and uh, diapers discord it's part of the gamers in uh discord um and so you can go uh, you can go there or you can send us an email uh at dad at tgistudios.com we love that we would read it on the show for sure we have uh still we're still until we move to mastodon we're on the uh we're on the x um and x is going to give it to you you can you can follow <laughs> Me at Croft and Steers and Ryan at R Murphy. We also have a show account at D and D Cast. And if you wanted to tweet your thoughts uh, there to us or X your thoughts, whatever they say, um, just post. They say post. They say post. Lame. Um, and so, uh, so yeah. With all that said, Ryan, are, is there anything that I'm forgetting? I guess all our episodes are on TGIstudios.com slash dad uh and uh you can also subscribe give us a review on uh apple podcast or any of your podcast places uh we would love reviews and then maybe people will see tell your friends about uh, the dungeons and diapers challenges get them to vote in the straw poll who knows and if who knows maybe we can find other challenges during the during the year i don't want to get ahead of myself Maybe you'll launch your podcast in the first week and be like, all right, what do you got for me now, Ryan? And I'll be like, okay, watch some anime. And then on December 25th, Ryan's like, I just started Betrayal of Crondor. How, <laughs> how, uh, how long is this again? You know, yeah. Uh, yeah, that sounds about right, to be honest. It's not a book, so I won't do it right away. Yeah, you can't read it in the book nook. Um, all right, so that's it, everybody. Uh, any last words, Ryan? I'm already predicting, like, I know this is the end of the episode, uh, and, and we'll get some Discord comments, but I'm predicting people are going to think I was too easy on you with your challenges. Good, sir. Well, I'll live with it. Thank you, Ryan, and thank you, everybody. Bye, everyone. Show's over. Can't write in any other challenges. Bye. Bye, everybody. I'll pay you later, Ryan.